back to another episode of the Catholic Buzz Podcast. Uh, thanks for joining us today because we continue to talk about uh, things that pertain to our Catholic faith. And today we have an exciting episode uh, for you. But before we get to uh, the topic uh, for today, let's introduce our exciting hosts. Uh, first, my name is Father Daniele and joined by these exciting guys, Josh Sullivan over here. Josh, welcome to you. Hi. <laughs> You're so excitable. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, it's that one of those days. Eh? <laughs> and uh, the most exciting man in the whole world is <laughs> Matt Van Milligan. Matt, welcome to you. Hello. Yeah. Uh, happy Easter. Yeah, right? happy yeah, Easter. It was uh, some, we had some great celebrations uh, for Easter and uh, I'm really uh, edified by them. And uh, it was it was just cool to celebrate. Yeah, it's yeah. exciting. It's exciting. So we're going to do something today that's really exciting. And we are going to do a speed round. Now, we it's used been a while. A, I know. Yeah. It's the last time we had a speed round was episode 59 of our wow. season 1, which was wow. in June of 2021. So, oh. almost a almost year, a that year. That we wow, haven't we had haven't a speed, a speed round. round. I know. And so for those of you who are just paying attention or maybe brand new to our podcast, a speed round is basically where uh, listeners, viewers, send us in their questions about the Catholic faith, and we try our best in two minutes or less to answer those questions. We have a lot of questions today to go through, so we're not going to waste any more time. But we yeah. always give a little disclaimer that some of these questions require a longer response. Yes, and all, so all of them require a more <laughs> thorough, <laughs> detailed response. We are going to try to us, hit. They, re yeah. they all require a longer yeah. response. This, yeah. this, this is the elevator response. So we're going to try our best in two minutes or less. So we're, we're going to have a little timer set up so we can get to as many questions as possible. And we just want to uh, thank... Uh, people who sent in their questions because, yeah. uh, you know, uh, well, we'll see if they're good questions or not. <laughs> we're gonna, All right, we're gonna let's go for it. Okay, question number one. Were Catholic people originally Jewish? Wow. Uh, yeah, the, the the really quick answer to that is is yes. Um, uh, but, you know, we um, Christianity doesn't make sense without Judaism, if, yeah. if that makes sense. So you have the, the covenant that was given to uh, Abraham. Um, and but you have uh, Christianity as the extension and the fulfillment um, of that covenant. So yes, um, and uh, yeah, I think uh, theological movements historically who have tried to really separate those things out have been kind of unsuccessful, and those yeah those sects have kind of split off and not not survived. Yeah. Right, and of yeah. course. You know, Jesus, uh, born into, you know, was born a was, Jew was, and, yeah. was Jewish. and uh, brought us to the fulfillment of the covenant. So, yes, we, and I think, I think we don't give uh, our Jewish brothers and sisters enough uh, credit, you know, yeah. because, you know, we the, look at the Old Testament. I mean, the Old Testament is uh, really the life of the, of the Jewish people, and that's part of our rich ancestry, yeah. rich uh you know, not, not only that, but even our mass is based a lot like our the Jewish uh, customs. Yeah, yeah, yeah really every, cool. a lot of things we do yeah. are based on the on the Jewish customs. Yeah, so, a, yeah. good, good a, a lot of my early kind of biblical study stuff was was looking at kind of the the rabbinic modes of teaching and how Jesus actually embodied these or like used yeah. a lot of the the Jewish ways of of teaching that didn't didn't fully reject kind of the um, that environment, but actually like yeah. worked worked within it to illustrate to the Jewish people how he was the fulfillment of those things. Sounds good to me. Okay. Yeah. That was an easy one. We didn't even make our okay. two minutes. This one's going to be a two-minute one for sure. What's the Catholic's take on tattoos? <laughs> on tattoos, I feel like way early 
Yeah, we might hit this season one. one. We may have mm-hmm. already talked about this um, because uh, remember, didn't we talk about it when you got that t- 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 tattoo on your <laughs> uh, back? Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Josh doesn't have a tattoo that we know of, right, Matt? Uh, but uh, I think uh, what we had said that day was uh, it depends on what What's your you're intent? doing with that tattoo. Yeah. Right, like if you're gonna get a huge tattoo of like, uh, well, what's your intent? Yeah, satanic or, uh, <laughs> on your body. I mean, you know, our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. If if your tattoos are are, are used to glorify God, uh, you know, that I I think uh, they would be okay. Yeah, and there's some things in the Bible now, but I think this, the rules in the Bible are kind of some of those ones that were like at the time because they're God's word. To t- you used to tattoo yourself to be like mm-hmm. to to distinguish yourself as a specific religion or this or that or the other thing. So kind of like what you're saying before, like, so at that time, the rules in the Bible and the old Testament was don't tattoo your skin like the other religions, but that was based around that time at that place. So what's your intent? What's like almost every, everything, if there's not a very specific church teaching on it, then what's your intent on it? And if your intent is, you know, then. If yeah. It, Cause I've seen people with like really nice, yeah. Mm-hmm. Tattoos. Some people have like the Virgin Mary close to their heart or, yeah. uh, uh, yeah. So yeah. Not a bad thing. Yeah. Okay. Next one. We got past that question without Matt having to reveal if he had yeah. a tattoo yeah. or not. <laughs> <laughs> does a, does a Catholic need to read the Bible? Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> okay. okay. So again, again that's, yeah, that's the, the kind of easy uh, answer, but you know, we, we believe that like, uh, Christ is the word incarnate. So like you've even the, the word that is you, the, the Greek word that's used there is, is logos. And that's, that's used to mean kind of like literal words. It's kind of, it's used to mean reason um, that it's, you know, the word become flesh that um, there's the kind of an equivocation uh, that happens uh, between Jesus and, you know, scripture that uh, even, even um, uh, St. Jerome says like yes. to be ignorant of scripture is to be ignorant, ignorant of Christ. Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, that, you know, the, primary source of revelation that we have of, of Christ is through the Bible. So, um, uh, you, uh, yeah, uh, knowledge of one necessarily kind of requires or leads into knowledge of the other. And look how much life, like I, I find the scriptures so life giving, mm-hmm. you know, like when we read them, we reflect on them and they're just so timeless, right? They're, uh, what we're going through, what we're sort of seeking in our own life, mm-hmm. we can find strength in the scriptures. I look at Jesus, remember when he rolled open the scroll in the temple, like he's reading the scriptures in the temple himself, you know, and that's what we do when we gather together for mass. We, we we're maybe we don't roll open the scroll, but we're, op- we're breaking open the scriptures. We're trying to find some, uh, some encouragement, some strength from the word of God. Yeah. I would say, I would say if your relationship is a two way street. And the way that, so we, we talk, we ask God for things and that kind of stuff. We tell him our problems, but the way that we listen, sure. there's multiple different ways, but the best way is through the word of God. Yeah. So if it's, you're having a relationship with God, which is what Christianity is, yeah. then listening to God is, is crucial. Maybe now's the right time to say, if people have difficulty reading the Bible, there's other options, right? Like I, I listen every day again for the second year in a row to Father Mike Schmidt's Bible in a year. Right, and there's the two minute timer, but um, yeah. you know, but you don't always have to. Uh, <laughs> you don't always have to read the Bible if that's if that's troubling for you. Yeah, right? I, I listen to it on my podcast on the way in. I listen to the, the twenty minutes uh, exactly. as I drive into town. <laughs> I don't know what's happening here now. <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> okay, we're past the two minutes. Okay, here we go. Oh, I love this one. Do you have to do grace before snacks? <laughs> 
And and then to add to that, do you have to do grace again for leftovers? <laughs> you know, like, um, sorry, I don't know what I'm doing here. Uh, but you know what's really funny is, I, is you know, maybe I shouldn't uh, promote this show because it's not very appropriate, but Curb Your Enthusiasm on HBO with Larry <laughs> yeah, David. Yeah. Larry David, of course, the creator of Seinfeld. This is in one of the episodes. You know, Larry David, who's a Jew, yeah. uh, you know, asking he's about, asking his, his in-laws, yeah. who are Christian, why don't you pray before snacks? snacks? Yeah. <laughs> why are you only praying grace before meals? Like, is it not that big enough? Anyway, anyways, it was a really hilarious scene, right? <laughs> how how big does it have to be to be able to pray before <laughs> grace, right? Well, you know, I would say, you know, we would laugh at the idea of, of praying grace before a snack. But, you know, to be thankful to God all day, yeah. uh, you know, in whatever we're doing. Do we have to stop and uh, and say grace every time we have a chip? You know, like, uh, you well, know. And it goes back to what the purpose of the grace was, yes. right? And you yeah. want to talk to that? Oh, no, yeah. I just that like that it's grace before is, is an incantation over the food that somehow <laughs> yeah. the food is made, you know. Or right. It's like you bless God. You you thank God for what you have and you recognize that the food and all of the things that you have are a blessing yeah. from God. So, it's you know, it's, it's not necessarily this needs to happen in order. Like this is, I can't this is edifying this. for us. Yeah. This is, yes. yeah. It's just reminding. Mm-hmm. I would also say that during a, during a meal, for the for the most part, and hopefully, because families don't always do this anymore, but the, the families gather together for a meal, and so yeah. it's a prayer of the family before we share in this meal as a family. Yeah. you know, which is really beautiful, as opposed to when you're sneaking a little chip or a chocolate snack. <laughs> you know, at least I do. I try and hide <laughs> my little snacking. You know, I'm not gathered around people, so you know, it's a time to pray when you're gathered yeah. with people that makes before sense. a meal. Yeah. All right. Do Catholics dislike Protestants? Um, no. No. <laughs> you know what I think of this? Yeah. I think of this actually as as like big brother, younger brother. Um, I really do think like Catholics are the big brother. I mean, this is my own personal. Uh, but like Catholic is the big brother. Like we don't, in my experience, and this might get some things, um, but um, in pr- Protestants, have a lot of the same beliefs that we do. So we share a lot of the same yeah. things. They just don't believe everything we believe. Does that make sense? So they're sure. not like they're they're halfway Catholics. Yeah. <laughs> if that well, makes sense. Yeah. So like Vatican II identifies, you know, Protestants as separated brethren. So like there's there's yeah, an identification sure. with, but even from the other end, because yeah. you know, my journey from Protestantism to Catholicism, um, one of the books I read is by um uh, Thomas Howard called Evangelical is Not Enough. Um, and he's saying that there's there, like there's this caricature, there's like people setting Protestantism against, you know, Catholicism. But he's saying that like for him, Catholicism was the logical or rational extension of a lot of the tools and a lot of the, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that he picked up in his Protestant faith. That he's like following those through to com- their logical completion or like their their logical extension and you know getting into the history of the church. It's just like um, there's a there's more overlap than a lot of a lot of people think. Um, even in terms of just kind of salvation theology and like how how nuanced a lot of the differences are that um, you know it, it they're not these diametrically opposed things um, and you know if you um, engage with them it, it, like both kind of long enough with you know a reasonable degree of intellectual honesty um, it's like a, a lot of people say that you know the, the logical extension of Protestant theology is coming back to that unified church yeah yeah right. next steps yeah. 
Yeah, I, I would say too that of course we, we we don't dislike them. They're our brothers and sisters in Christ, and I think we have to recognize in each other the good that we're doing mm-hmm. uh, as people of goodwill, as people who follow Jesus, yeah. right? And I think that sometimes we have like uh, oh, there goes a the timer. I, I think we have like a, a a bad reputation on both sides of yeah. trying of hating each other. Mm-hmm. But when what for me, anyways, when you see in the local churches. You know, and you see the work people are doing together, whether they're feeding yeah. the homeless together or doing like all these different things together. That's the beauty of the relationship between the Catholics and, and the Protestant churches, right? Uh, I think on the on a big scale, people think like they're just opposed to each other, yeah. you know, and that's sort of the narrative that's out there, right? But I think locally on the ground, Christians everywhere are trying to work together. And I think that's very beautiful. Yeah. Okay. I can handle this one if you guys want, but I, what if the Catholic okay. miss is going? Yeah, what if a Catholic miss is going to church? What are the consequences? Well, you've heard of the Swiss Guard. <laughs> that's that's the uh, that's the consequences. Uh, basically, the Swiss Guard used to carry swords. Now they carry machine guns. Uh, but <laughs> I got two minutes of this. <laughs> no. <laughs> what was the question? What, the what consequences, consequences of missing mass? Of missing mass. Okay. Uh, this is this is what I'm going to say. Basically. Um, what are the consequences of eating junk food? If you look at it kind of a similar way or missing missing uh, exercise or missing school or missing, it, you're not hurting anybody but yourself by doing that. So mass specifically, going to mass and going to um, mass on Sundays is for our spiritual growth. It's for our spiritual food. And so if we're going to miss that, um, what's going to happen? Well, you're going to get hungry. And there is potential then to stray or, or to fall off track or it's a lot harder to get back on track when you're, when you're there. Yeah, and uh, like uh, it's so important to come together in community, like to be at Mass together, not only for the grace we receive, like the Eucharist is such a beautiful gift we have, right? But also to be in community with one another, to, to, to live together with other Catholics who are trying our best to live our Christian life. Like when we, when we miss out on that, we're, we're, first of all, remember, we have to attend mass. Yeah. It's, a, it's a holy day of obligation. Yeah. We have to attend mass on Sundays or else if, if we uh, purposefully missed mass for yeah. no good excuse, it's a mortal sin. Yeah. Then we have to confess that before you, receiving the Eucharist again, right? And you don't have to receive the Eucharist on Sunday. We've talked you about that a You don't have to receive ago. the Eucharist, yeah. but you, you, have, but to you have to be at mass. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, next question. What do, why do you call God, uh, your, sorry, why do you call your priest father? Why do we call priest father? So I would say that... Uh, it says in the Bible something about Jesus. There's one line in the Bible that says something. Like Jesus says, don't call people father, right? Yeah, so I would say um, just like we have earthly fathers uh, in, our, in our life and we call them our father, uh, a priest is a spiritual father to, to the baptized, right? And so there, there's where the title comes from. He's a spiritual father to people. And his children, his spiritual children are his flock, his parishioners, people in the community, people of goodwill, right? Uh, there is that thing people always say, oh, Jesus says, don't call, uh, you know, anyone on earth your father, right? And I think uh, Jesus was trying to make a point there to people about uh, people who sort of are feel entitled to to titles, mm-hmm. if that makes sense, yeah. right? To be careful who you call your father, be careful who you call teacher, who you call master, all those things, yeah. right? Because Jesus is warning against people who... Uh, want these titles but are failing to live up to them. Now, we see that in some priests. Priests have failed people, right? Priests have failed people either through gross uh, uh, scandal or just a a neglectful duty of their 
job, right? Or their, their vocation. Yeah. So I think Jesus is warning there is not to say, don't call anyone like, you know, to take that literally. That means I can't call my dad, my father. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so Jesus and, didn't make that literally like, don't call anyone on earth, your father. Uh, and they, and they talk about the father Abraham and, and like we, we talk about sure. father the rest of the time through the Bible. So it's not specifically saying this word, this, like this is one of those literal translations you have to take back a little, take a step back and look at what he's meaning by this. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think too, that it's, uh, it's important not to confuse, like to see the distinction. You know, we have our heavenly father where all good things come from and, and he's, you know, almighty God. Um, and not to confuse that sort of relationship for someone on earth. Yeah. Does that make sense? Good. Yeah. Okay. So this question I just threw down there, but um, why do Catholics pray for the dead? There's a whole episode that we did on purgatory that I'm going to encourage people that want the answer for this one. There. You don't pray for people that are in heaven. You don't pray for people that are in hell. You pray for the people that are in purgatory. And so the Catholic teaching on purgatory is really crucial to that question. So. Yeah, that's season one, episode 12, what you should know about purgatory if people are uh, wondering what episode uh, of the Catholic buzz. But yes, and, and still it's important to to pray for people uh, who have died because remember, we are uh, in... That's uh, too, we talked about that. Uh, exactly, exactly. Episode 30 was our episode on funerals. Um, but yeah, we're in communion with people. Remember, we're in communion with saints who have yeah. died. Mm-hmm. They're in heaven. We're in communion with people. Uh, you know, just because they're not here doesn't mean that they're not part of our life, right? Yeah. And so to maintain that commitment, to pray for people who have died, uh, I think is is a beautiful thing. We, you see that all the time. We pray for people who died every mass. Every, every time we gather end, together. Right? Every, every funeral petition. mass, every, yeah. you know... Uh, and, yep. And recognizing that that's a two-way street as well. So, like, if you believe at the same time in, you know, the efficacy of prayer and the eternal nature of the soul, like, there's absolutely no obstacle to asking those who, you know, have come before us to pray for us and praying to, you know, uh, yeah, for for those who are on their way. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. What's the Catholic's take on adoption? Um, we did an episode just a few episodes ago, actually, when we were talking about um, uh, our our pet owner, selfish. Oh, we were talking about that, yeah. That, yeah, that, uh, yeah, we, yeah, we talked. To, I was uh, like, "What episode did we do on adoption?" Yeah. Yeah. No, no, but that 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 was actually the context that of what was the Holy Father of was season two that was yeah. talking about to say that you know uh, adoption is actually a really beautiful option for um, you know married couples who have you know that that paternal or maternal instinct or impulse that is a lot of times directed towards pets that you know um they, they should take on um the the perspective of, of saint joseph and you know look for ways to um be be a father be a parent in in this kind of adoptive sense i'm glad you remember yeah. that because yeah. like when you started with that i was like i don't know yeah. where we talk about adoption but yeah that's yeah that's what we talked about saint joseph and talked about that's great that's yeah and, and you know like we have a couple parishioners uh in our in our parish community who who talk about you know that they were adopted uh, and and just to just to hear from them about their first uh, first count experience of, yeah. of of you know their the fam the family like the their biological family who can support them or, or and and this new life they're given through adoption it's you know brings tears to your eyes uh, just to hear their experience yeah. and so you know if people are in a situation where you're praying about adoption I think it's a it's a beautiful thing and, and of course if the, if church the question is does the it. church support it one hundred percent one hundred percent Okay, this is a this this is definitely not a two two minute answer. But why does Jesus let bad things happen to us? Here's what I'm gonna say: yeah. no pain, no gain. 
Uh, no. Yeah. If you think about it, it, working working out your muscles, what you're actually doing when you're doing a physical workout is you're ripping your muscles, you're ripping the skin, you're ripping, sorry, the muscle tissue, and then it's healing over again. So that's why you're supposed to take a day off between workouts, uh, on certain, whenever you're working out. The same kind of thing when when things, when Christ allows, God allows things. Now, we talked about his permissive will versus his... Um, Perfect will. Yeah, his perfect will, obviously, he doesn't want us to get hurt and stuff. But in his permissive will, a lot of times he allows things to happen to us, and we can we can grow from those experiences. So what I would say is when something bad is happening to you, instead of asking, why did God let me hap- have this happen? That's a very normal response. But instead of saying, why is this happening to me? Ask, how can I grow from this experience? What What is, why is this happening to me? In the sense of looking for an answer of how I can grow and become a bigger, better, how can I come stronger in my faith? That kind of thing. Yeah, yeah and I, you know, we did a whole episode on the problem of suffering yeah. in season oh, one, yeah, episode seven, if okay. people are looking back at our episodes. I think it's really important to remember that uh, God doesn't like, you know, wake up in the morning wishing that we suffer. <laughs> like he, he's not like, how can I make Matt's life miserable today? Like that's not, that's not God. And I think uh, people, when, when, when things happen, like let's look at the reality. We live in a broken world. You know, yeah. suffering exists here. And just because we're Christian, just because we, we follow Jesus in all things and we hope in him, it doesn't mean that we're exempt from suffering. However, Jesus also teaches us how to endure that suffering, mm-hmm. right? That like, even in our suffering, we're not left alone. No. You know, like, like we just celebrated Holy Week. Uh, look at the suffering of Jesus. Like if anyone knows suffering, it's him. And and w- to be able to find some strength or, or meaning in our, in our suffering, not easy to do in the moment. No. Not easy to do. And I think people try to make other people who are suffering uh, feel a lot better. Like, oh, maybe it's God's will for you. That's not helpful no. in the moment of suffering. Right, no, no. but I but I think that to to, to suggest that uh, just because we believe in God, we sh- we are exempt from suffering. That's not true, but also to suggest that God places suffering in our life, yes. you know, like purposely to tear us down. That's not true either. No. Uh, but uh, but in this broken world where sin exists, where there's uh, you know b- broken things happening, where we all have our own suffering to endure. And I think it's it's sort of for us to be able um, to, to at least to allow God to walk with us in our suffering. Because most people, when when they begin to suffer a little bit, blame God and turn our backs on Him. Whereas, like Jesus is so present to us in our suffering. Yeah, you know, uh, we went over time on that one. Okay. I'm sorry, that's my fault. It's going to be another big one, I think. Yeah. Uh, what does the church teach on transgender people? What's the Catholic Church teaching on transgender? Well, I think I think that the way the question is framed is pretty important. That it's like, what is the church? Uh, what's the church's view of transgender people? They're made in the image and likeness of God and deserve our love and respect and That's care. Beautiful. Um, but it's like, but what do, what does the the church teach about um, transgender ideology or you know the the um, the political the politicization of you know yeah. what should be a reasonable discussion among you know mutually respectful people? Has become this kind of polarized debate that it's mm-hmm. it's it's very difficult to actually have a rational discussion in a way that you know doesn't turn into this kind of incendiary thing. Yeah. So when we're when we're dealing with people, we always need to you know um, address the person as you know as, as the person. But when we're when we're talking about ideas, um, you know the, the church is kind of bound to um, um, uh, a natural law 
yeah. an understanding of of male and female and you know that's rooted in our bio- biology that's rooted in how we were created um, and that goes all the way back to genesis yeah, and this the, obviously it's a sensitive issue, right? Uh, and and I would say like that's that's I would say that that's correct. Great answer. I'd like to be able to walk with people, to listen to people, um, you know, who are enduring um, this uh, these things in their life, right? I think is is I think people just assume that the church doesn't want to walk with them. That's not true. No, you know, everyone is afforded dignity. Um, Everyone is is loved by God, and I, I feel like maybe uh, on both sides we have to let our guard down a little bit to be able to to accomplish that, because on maybe on uh, on and I was I'll say the church side as in like practicing church people, yeah. not uh, like the church as the Vatican or whatever like yeah. that. I would say like maybe we're afraid to say the wrong thing, you know, because today people try and catch you and uh, yeah. you know like so there goes the alarm again. But uh, I'm gonna keep talking, but um, you know. People are afraid to say the wrong thing. Of course. And so they want to avoid those conversations. And then on the other side of things, people are afraid or maybe are just closed off to even having that dialogue with religious people because they already feel excluded. Yeah. Right? And I think for us to come together, to be able to see the beauty that God has given each one of us, even if, even if uh, you know, some of us, are are having difficulty understanding our own identity. Yeah. You know, like sometimes we have difficulty understanding things in our life to to be able to see how God sees us can be life-changing, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I think so on both sides, it maybe to dialogue together. The Vatican actually um released a document in June of 2019 yeah. uh basically saying Honest. that like let's work together, like let's talk about this together, let's listen to each other. Um, you know, and let's, let's clarify here that God has created us with dignity, you know, um, and that document, uh, for people who are interested in, uh, looking it up is called male and female. He created them. It says towards a path of dialogue on the question of gender theory. Now it was released by the congregation for Catholic education, which means basically it was it was uh, released as a as a guideline for educational institutions yeah. because this is where um, you know those questions are, are are coming up. So, anyways, I, I the Vatican has written a lot about that. Um, I wish we had more time to, to I, talk so about almost this. a whole episode yeah. on it. There's two more questions there that I just kind of went through. We've just talked about: um, Will a transgender person be accepted if they're transgender into the church? I think we answered that already. That like. You're loved, you're, dig- you're dignified and all that kind of thing. But there, then there are other things we need to talk. There's other conversations yeah. we need to have. Um, it's not because you're transgender that, you know, that, that this, um, the, the steps that you need to take here uh, have nothing to necessarily do yeah. with that part. It's like, what are you trying to accomplish by this? Are you trying to cause a stir? Are you kind of, you know, like that? What, what is the purpose behind it? And if you're tr- truly seeking the faith and you're seeking truth, um, you're gonna find it. And you're gonna find it in in the ch- in the church. And then the other one was Mary. Uh, will will transgender pe- people be allowed to be married in the Catholic Church? And I think in that one there we can say because the the Catholic Church goes again back to biology and goes back to the um, then man and woman. Just and we talked about this already, but um, in in terms of homosexuality and why. Um, two men can't get married in the church or two women can't get married in the church, the same kind of things come out. So if you want to take a look at those, that's an episode that we did in the past. And specifically, we're talking about um, what the church's role in, um, what marriage 
what the role of marriage plays in a person's life mm-hmm. at that time. So those are cool. two. Yeah, we could talk. We handle those three questions. There could be a whole episode. Might yeah. might come up. Did the Old Testament actually happen? Ooh. Yes and no. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Literally. Yeah. Well. <laughs> no. I, well, some That's parts definitely. Um, yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. yeah the, the parts that people are, <laughs> are less interested in a lot of times so that <laughs> yes. are the historically accurate um, exactly. uh, part. That's a good um, answer. But there's like I, I think uh, we the, there's a bit of disservice uh, if you just take the same approach or the same or like view every part of scripture with the exact same lens in terms of you know is this factually accurate is it because you know uh we believe that scripture is god inspired and true yeah. it was like but there are a number of ways in which things can be true mm-hmm. so it's like even looking at the first uh, is it nine nine uh chapters of uh genesis yes. are, are written in verse are written in like yes uh poetic kind of narrative form that you know that there there is some historicity because you know humanity had a beginning mm-hmm. like there's but the way that it's presented is in a kind of a poetic narrative form um that you know it's it's not necessarily interested or invested in being historically factually um scientifically exactly. true um it's you know this is a true in the way that you know um you know sin sin entered the world we live in a world where you know sin is real yeah. as evidenced by the fact that you know you have actual evil you have actual suffering that's like this is how we got here um and then but you know you get into kind of the how how that plays out into you know ancient mesopotamia and like the the actual historical context you have the exodus from egypt and then you have the more kind of specific history books that again who's who's read kings and chronicles with yeah. a great with a great deal of interest or like those so yeah. yes and no like there 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 are um um, ways in which you know scripture is true some of those are factual some of those are historical but yeah. you know reading lamentations you're not necessarily Re- yeah. invested Re- in reading you know, the psalm was it, there really yeah. a doe that danced across the whatever yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 exactly so taking how you read it i like it good thanks matt okay this is uh our last question because uh we're coming close to the end of our time <laughs> together and it sounds like a doozy okay well no i mean it is and it isn't we i think we've handled this one before but why do you confess your sins to a priest oh um well easy answer since we're on a two-minute time limit is uh because jesus asked us to yeah right uh jesus asked us to he he conferred this uh on the apostles uh that if they are to forgive the sins of any they are forgiven if they're to retain the sins of any they are retained and uh, through the institution of the priesthood, Jesus has given that authority to the bishops of the church, the priests of the church, uh, to be able to confer these sacraments on people, just like priests confer, you know, stand in the person of Jesus at the Eucharist, at the Mass, when the bread and wine are consecrated, so they stand in the person of Jesus in persona Christi to absolve sins. So does the priest absolve your sins? No. You know, no. <laughs> but the priest is the person in the per- in the person of Jesus, in the person of Christ. Uh, who through uh, the the authority Jesus has given the priest mm-hmm. forgives sins. Now, on the same thing, like serious sins should be confessed to a priest. That doesn't, because some people say, well, can I ask God directly for forgiveness? Of course. I do every night before bed, uh, part of my examination, uh, yeah. you know, that, that I do before at the end of each day. We're encouraged to do that. Mm-hmm. We're encouraged to reflect on it like, oh, where can I do better tomorrow? But... Officially, the correct way, the ordinary way of bringing sins uh, to be forgiven is through the sacrament of confession. And what a gift. People always say, like, 
And yeah. I know, I understand I people's hesitation. Oh, like it's embarrassing mm-hmm. to repeat your sins. Like yeah. it's not it's not fun. No one looks forward to going to a confession. But it's such a beautiful gift that's over in like two minutes. Yeah. Like yeah. you know, yeah. like yeah. we it just gets in our heads so much, and we're like ah, you know, where it's just like you know, God God is calling us to to receive this special gift, and 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 that fear of saying our sins out loud prevents us from receiving that grace. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like you know, someone someone always told me if you had the courage to sin have the courage to go ask for forgiveness. <laughs> I like and that. That resonated with me. It's like, yeah, you know, like uh <laughs> you know, like y- you want to be tough sinning? Like, well, be a tough uh, you gotta make up for it too. Yeah, yeah. Ask, be someone who's tough and, and, and courageous, asking for forgiveness. We did we did episodes on confession. We did episodes on venial yes. and mortal sins, and like talked a lot a lot about those. So those episodes in the past. Um, those will be the places to look. People can go back and look at our uh, episodes on confession. Yeah, actually, actually, you know what? What's really funny is that we started this. Uh, we started this podcast doing confessions during the time of COVID. Remember, we were under yes. lockdown. Yes. That was our very first episode of the podcast. How far we've come since then? Yeah, obviously we, we didn't get through. We got lots, <laughs> we more. lots more questions. Speed uh, rounds go that's fast. What happens yeah. when? Uh, but yeah, we did get through a lot of questions. They were good. So thank that's you for your time. answers. And if you have at home any more questions for us, we will uh, get to them. So send us your questions. You can email us at the Catholic Buzz Podcast at gmail.com. You can leave a comment right on our YouTube video uh, or on our Facebook and Instagram pages. So there's lots of ways you can ask us a question. You can even send us a direct message on any of our social media platforms as well. And we'll continue to do our best to answer your questions. So for Josh Sullivan and Matt Van Milligan, my name is Father Daniele. We'll see you next time on The Catholic Buzz.